Hello everybody, welcome back to the Gamer Life Podcast. And as gamers, we often struggle with mental health difficulties, anxiety, maybe social awkwardness, lots of things of this sort that can actually be very difficult to see from the outside, but can be a constant struggle within. Not to get all Buddhist here on you this early, but today I have a very special guest, Dave, from Mindset by Dave on Twitch. A really nice guy who has a, a very down-to-earth way of breaking down mindfulness, meditation, and some of these techniques that can seem otherwise a bit weird and like you have to wear a robe to even attempt them. <laughs> so today we're trying to bring down to earth some of these practices, give you some analogies, uh, explain some of the benefits and how someone would actually get into this type of practice without the BS that very often gets touted in some of the meditation apps or systems out there. So with that, I give you Dave. Dave, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How about you? I'm great. I'm very excited to do this. And I've been a, a little nervous because it's the first time I have someone outside of the pure gaming uh, sort of sphere, I guess. Uh, and you're more, you're fully on the mental health game. I don't think you ever do gaming streams, do you? Uh occasionally very very yeah, I, special. I always say that if i'm doing a mental if i'm doing a gaming stream something's gone wrong um <laughs> because because it means i've run out of things to talk about so yeah and uh we have the fallen phoenix the one fallen phoenix in chat hello hey, phoenix. welcome 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 everybody this i hope this is going to be very useful for a lot of people because i want to give sort of like first steps for a lot of people who are trying to get into whether it's mindfulness or some of these things that can help. And they're like either overwhelmed or they've tried it and they quote unquote, you know, like it wasn't for them or it didn't work out. So th yeah. that's the very typical response I think you <laughs> get very often, right? So we'll get into all that. But before we jump in, uh, give people a primer of, you know, for th those who don't know, like who's Dave, what sort of stuff do you do over here? on your channel okay um my, my i suppose the big reason i got involved in mental health is i i work in mental health education in the uk um but the reason i got involved in even that in the first place um i i, I have my own mental health issues i was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when i was 14 i grew up with an eating disorder i grew up with very low self-esteem you know came from a broken home didn't ever have a strong male role model or influence or anything like that and I turned to practically every coping mechanism under the sun to try and deal with my mental health. And most of them by cope, I, I say, were the unhealthier coping mechanisms. You know, it started off with food, hence the eating disorder. Then it became alcohol. Later in my 20s, it became drugs um, and even self-harm. So it's, and I've also in 2009, which I suppose is the kind of, the rock bottom of my entire journey is I actually got as far as the point of an attempted suicide. And coming back from all of that, um, I in, in sort of 2009, after that, I dedicated myself rather than giving up on who I am, uh, trying to kind of, um, 
But ultimately, that was trying to be someone better, someone to kind of rebuild bridges with my family and with my friends because I'd really let it all go to crap in 2009. Um, and eventually it became actually, you know what, I'm trying to be better for myself. And yeah, it's been a very, it's been, I, I think those, those sort of getting started questions are really, are really important and really, really good to get into because, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> people assume that you go, like I go from that suicide attempt straight into a sort of big old epiphany and it's like a magic wand's been en enlightened life yeah, form. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It that couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> you know, the, um, there was there was a lot of times where things weren't for me, um, or I thought they weren't for me. And one of the big things that I think that is what's presented to is that we if we don't click with something immediately, um, we think of it as you know we think of it as being not for us. And some things aren't for everybody. You know, mindfulness is not for absolutely everybody. Meditation is not for everybody. Like, you know, I'm a big proponent of exercise. I love it, but it's about finding the right exercise for you. And um, I'm a big sort of believer in helping people find their way, not my way. Yeah. Okay, I think that's an excellent sort of jumping point into what I wanted to talk about, which which is all that, like, getting started stuff. Yeah. So... For me, just share a bit of like my uh, kind of biggest struggle mentally, it's overthinking. I think that's very <laughs> common with, with us gamers. It's like overanalyzing, right? Because yeah. we're, we're in our heads a lot. So it's like, you know, oh, I, I should have, uh, you know, said something differently. I didn't get the reaction I wanted. I should have acted differently in that conversation. And then all of a sudden I'm in this loop of rethinking, retreading a conversation I had with someone and uh kind of being stuck in that thought pattern and kind of going crazy over it and yeah being stuck with these negative thought patterns so that my goal with meditation has been kind of reducing the half-life of those negative thoughts or thought patterns mm -hmm. so i guess how for someone who has that type of thing do you think meditation is actually able to get rid of them or are we just aiming at reducing the amount of time we're stuck in those loops? How do you view that problem? Yeah, um, I, I, well, there's, there's sort of two tools that I would use in that situation. Uh, meditation definitely can be. The thing is, for an overthinker, meditation can provide the space for you to overthink more. So it can feel <laughs> counterproductive, you know. Um, and meditations, I don't think it's taught very well and you know a lot of the time it's like if you go and buy a self-help book on it um it's just like you know sit in front of a candle clear your mind it's like first of all tell someone to clear the mind it's basically impossible you know it's like don't think about anything but you have to think about whether you're thinking about anything so that it's or even the face don't overthink it you know when we say to people don't do anything they tend to do that thing if i say don't think about a purple elephant right now you'll all start thinking about a purple elephant no matter how hard you try not to um i think basically people think with meditation that the goal of meditation is to have that clear mind right and it's it's um it's not to have like let's let's do it in sort of terms of browser tabs it's not to completely shut down internet explorer or okay. you know it's or, or Firefox, or whatever. It's to kind of choose which tab comes into focus, and mm. or or to maybe close some of the tabs that are there. And the, the the when it's often taught to people, people often feel like they're failing on it because if they sit there and go, oh, you know what, 
I can't clear my mind. It's really, it's, it's, and the, the, you know, the expression I use for this is you are not weak. The journey is just difficult. Um, we think if, if a person sits there and tries to clear their mind and then they, they're unable to clear their mind, now they feel like they're, they're failing. And then that becomes one of the things that they overthink, you know, that becomes an extra thought. So like now, not only did I have all the thoughts from before, but now I'm like, I've got the thought of I suck at meditation. Yeah. And it's a strange one because with a lot of other skills in life, meditation is actually, it's a skill and it's a practice. It's something that needs work. Um, with a lot, if, if you were to sit down at a piano for the first time, you wouldn't expect to be able to play Mozart on the first go. You know, if someone threw the most complicated piece of music up on the, um, you know, up on the stave and basically said, play that, you'd, you'd find it unreasonable that someone was asking you to kind of achieve that level of mastery in the same first go. But I think if we don't succeed with, um, with meditation straight away, a lot of people give up with it. There's, um, the way I describe it is it's like, if you're if you're trying to focus on one specific thing, first of all, trying to focus on nothing is impossible. So if you because the second you do, you have to think about whether you're focusing on nothing. So that so there's a thought, there's a whole internal dialogue going on. Spe choosing what to focus on is a little bit easier. So I say you can't, you know, your brain's like a TV that you can't switch off, but you can change the channel. Right. So instead of saying, don't think about the conversation you've just had, for example, in your case. Telling yourself, don't think about that's just going to make you dwell about it more. It's a, it's a sort of shift in mindset of saying, okay, what I'm going to think about instead is how am I going to handle this next time? Because how could I have handled it better previously? Is It's kind of useless information to us because we can't go back in time and change the conversation. What we can do is learn from that and actually use that to inform how we are going forward. So like if you come off a stream, for example, and if like there's two ways you can ask that question one your mind might be going oh my god what did i do wrong in that stream um, and let's face it every stream has had that thought <laughs> every single all of you without without exception myself very much included um you if that thought itself isn't particularly helpful whereas how could i do better next time is a more is a more helpful thought right. and that's like because that's you're now looking for a solution rather than sitting there and beating yourself up over a problem but it's about that's one channel you could change it to. And mindfulness is more like, okay, I saw you were, I saw you rocking out to that that little bit of rock music <laughs> at the beginning of the stream. Right. There. You can mindfully listen to a piece of music. You can play put, you know, put the headphones in, lock into it. And instead of thinking about those other things that you're thinking about, you go, I'm gonna focus on this music. I'm gonna focus on what the guitar player is doing there. Or actually, I'm gonna listen in to see what the drummer's doing there or maybe even think yeah. about what the bass players doing there you know you can that is you know you can bring your attention to something else so rather than saying don't think about this it's about saying do think about that so i guess to kind of sum it up it's almost like a practice of placing attention on something right very effectively yes. to the point that you're basically unable to focus on that all other all the other shit that's popping on your head right uh, yeah. at all times you you're like so focused on something that you're in uh in this what, what do they call it like this flow zone or flow state yeah where I mean, you're we, that's it we've all we've all probably experienced it at some point where like we're doing a piece of work and we have the right piece of music on yes and the next thing we know six minutes have gone by and we've 
and we've been in this kind of, and you know time has just disappeared in front of you um like maybe if you do if you, if anyone plays an instrument that's an area where you can get lost completely anyone who does art can get lost in doing that art and um it's it's instead basically the kind of principle is um don't tell yourself what not to focus on tell yourself what to focus on and if you find let's say you know there's you know someone doing roadworks outside of your house and you're like okay what i want to focus on is the music that's in my ears or what i want to focus on is listening to a stream or whatever if the second if the second you start thinking too much about the, music, the, the noises outside um and start and, and wishing you could do anything about that and wanting that to go away you bring more attention to that, and that takes your attention away from what you're actually trying to give your attention to. Yeah. Um, but we're, um, it's primed to do it. If you ever think about like, like the cheesy line from movies when people say, don't look down, it makes the person look down. Yeah. If we see a sign that says, don't touch wet paint, then suddenly we all want to go and stroke a wall. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, um, so it's again, it's you're better telling your mind what you want to do rather than what you don't want to do. And if you find that your attention goes back to the thing that you try, like that, like if you find that that thought pops into your head again, the best way to deal with it instead of going, oh, I can't believe that thought's popped up. I'm failing at this, or you know, beating yourself up again, is to go, okay, there's that thought, but that's not the channel I want to be watching right now. Right. I'm going to think about this instead. I'm going to focus on this instead. And what you have to do is then guide your own thoughts um, back to whatever it is. And if people do like a basic sort of mindful breathing guided meditation, you'll probably find that it sounds something like, and whenever you find your thoughts going elsewhere, just gently and <laughs> gently. calmly yeah, always bring gently. it back to the breath. <laughs> and, and that's true. And that's, that is, that's actually it. That is true. It's by, it's, I am... Um, there was one of the early in my like my meditation practice there was one where basically what you have to do is anytime an intrusive thought comes into your head you have a piece of paper in front of you and you just scratch on it and you just have like like scratch a line on it and then after your meditation's gone you're um basically once what you do is you scratch and then try to bring your thoughts back to the breath or try to bring your thoughts back to the flickering candle or whatever you happen to be using and the first few times i did that the paper was just an absolute mess yeah and, but the thing is, it's rather than thinking, it, if you think about it, okay, every single one of those scratches represents a time that my thoughts went where I didn't want them. But every single one of those scratches also represents a time that when my thoughts went where I didn't want them, I brought them back to where I did. Yeah. So actually, it's, if, it, if it's a measure of failure, it's also equally a measure of success because each time you are successful at now going, right, I'm bringing my thoughts back to here, that is actually the practice that is the that's the outcome that you're looking for is your ability to guide your thoughts without judging them it's not the silence inside your mind that you because if the second the second people focus on that any thought that pops in we go back on this loop of thinking i've failed and then the whole practice becomes harder so yeah it's um it's a tricky one because quite frankly not many of us are good at being compassionate to ourselves <laughs> right yeah, I think we're okay, or, you know, a lot of us are okay at being compassionate with friends. Mm -hmm. But uh, this this is something I often say, extend yourself the same courtesy, right? 100%. And, and it's like, and it's difficult. A lot of times it is difficult. But I did want to take a step back and talk about 
what it is that you do, because you very often delineate between what you do and therapy. And, and you mm -hmm. say, you know, this is not therapy, right? So we're, we're here giving some sort of general guidelines. But if you are facing yeah. something very uh, challenging, it is always recommended that you sort of go to, a, to an actual therapist that it is, is going to look at your case specifically. And that, that's yeah. always, I've found it always curious because I'm someone who, uh, I have struggled with these things and I have like a, you know, a chronic disease that I deal with. So there are like things that I've been through, but I've never actually seen a, an actual therapist or, uh, you know, whatever term you want to use for, for those things. So yeah. I actually don't know the difference between what you do and therapy. So <laughs> how would you describe, like, why do you make that delineation? And what would be um, the difference? Okay, if number one is for legal and ethical reasons. Right, um, you're covering your back as well. Well, um, yeah, but also it's um, the, the, I'm more concerned about. I'm actually more concerned about the how. The, I am actually much more concerned about how I care for the person in front of me than okay. covering my own back. Um, so when I that's why I say legal. Legal reasons is looking after me. Ethical reasons is looking after the person that I'm talking <laughs> yeah. to. Um, and. I, you know, I was um, I was only explaining this to somebody yesterday. It's like because I, I I love sleeping at night. It's great. So like so for me, I have to have a very strong, I have to have a very strong code of ethics and a very strong list of boundaries um, that I'm willing to kind or willing or qualified enough to actually handle. Because if I if I felt like I overstepped my mark with somebody, um, then that would honestly I'm, I'm i don't deal with guilt very well that's one of my that's one of my kind of right i don't know if it's a good quality or a bad quality because it's like obviously clearly it's a mindset issue but um but um i don't like kind of feeling like i've offered someone something that that isn't what i do um or that i've given someone the 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 the, the idea that i can I am a substitute for therapy. I am not like under, I, under no way, shape or form. I mean, and it's, and it's, it's an interesting one because a lot of my clients, and I see this as a kind of compliment, but I also see this as a sad indication of the level of the industry. A lot of my clients are actually been in therapy before and they find what I do to be better. And um, uh -huh. all I do, it's not, it's not like that deep kind of, you know, getting into people's full history and telling me about your father and all of that. All I do is right. Sit people. down and like, right. So how yeah. did your father hold your hand? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, like all I do really is have a person talk me through the situation that they're in. Okay. And then offer an alternative perspective on it. That's it really. And the way I describe it is like, cause I, I come from a background of being a personal trainer and, um, I am to a therapist what a personal trainer is to a medical doctor. You know, a personal trainer can help you with your physical health, but they can't help you with your physical health the same way a doctor can. They can prescribe exercises for you that will help improve your physical health. Um, and I, I feel I do the same. We you know I can help a person with their mental health by way of so I can um, I can do I can help them with their mental health by way of. I've probably experienced and spoken with more people that have their condition than they do. So therefore I've seen how each an individual condition can be a spectrum and how actually a lot of what people think that they are broken for is actually perfectly normal. So I can help a person see that. Um, I can help people with things like confidence and self-esteem. 
um, which we do quite a lot. And that and, and one of my big goals often, if a person that I'm working with has a serious mental health condition, um, I've worked with a lot of people to help them get the help they need from their doctor. So that might be, let's say, uh, and this is this particular case that goes come up multiple times is if a person has social anxiety and or well generalized anxiety but social anxiety as a result of that and that person needs help from a doctor it's very hard for a person with anxiety to go and talk to a doctor about their anxiety so that's one big thing is like i I, I you know I, I am very keen on saying look i can do coaching i can do lifestyle advice um, I can do some, I am qualified as a mental health first aider. I am also qualified in suicide intervention um, and prevention. So I can do those things if they are needed. But in both of those situations, it's kind of, if it, it's, it's not about me and my ego and my need to fix people. It's about helping the person get the right help. And um, that's a difficult one to, that's a difficult, especially as a streamer, that's a difficult one to get yes. across to people when, if you say to someone, I need you to go and speak to a doctor about this, or they, people often feel dismissed. Um, and it's like, and I've, over the years, I've kind of developed this one little thing that I kind of say to people in that situation now, which is, look, this isn't because I don't want to help you. This is because all I can offer in this, in this space as a streamer right now is a space where you can talk about what you're experiencing, where you can open up around other people and we can offer you some empathy and some, and you know, and that's about it. That's right. like, you know, and you're more than welcome to sit here and have that. Like, I'm not saying that you have to go and speak to a doctor right now. My big problem is that I never want, I, I don't ever want to make a person so comfortable leaning on me that they don't lean on the right person. I would say that's the prime definition um, or the prime difference between me and a therapist. A therapist would work directly with a person's PTSD, for example. Okay. Um, I would give a person, I can give people who've got PTSD a few a few tips and a few tricks and a couple of different, again, like we talked about with the meditation before, shift your mindset over to here. And and there's, there's a few things I can do, but down to the acute treatment of PTSD. No, it's not within yeah, my exactly. remit. And it would, be, um, it would be a combination of arrogance and... I don't know, harmful, right. potentially harmful if because I thought you ah, would need to I know, know enough about people. Yeah. yeah, you would need to know a lot of very specific details about the person's case, right? To make an informed like recommendation yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's the that's the kind of the okay. key difference. Okay, I got you. That's a good uh, explanation of it. Um so from there, okay, let's go to the starter person problem that okay. is, is very common. And I've tried to initiate what well, you would say a lot of friends or get a lot of friends into the mindfulness practice. And at first it's a bit like a sales pitch, right? It's like, Hey, you know, <laughs> there's all this good stuff on the other end. Uh, and for me, my biggest like superpower that I've gotten from it is reducing the, the half-life, the duration of negative emotions that I used yeah. to struggle a lot with that. And I tried to use that as like a sales pitch for people. But what I've had happen many times is that people give it a shot. Let's say, you know, they download a meditation app, right? And they do it a few times. So, so they go there, they do a 10 minute meditation a few times. And I ask them, hey, how did it go? And they go, yeah, it's not for me. It didn't, it didn't help, right? Yeah. And I always struggle with a comeback because 
the the knee jerk reaction for me is to to use the pian pianist metaphor that you used. It's like yeah. it takes practice, right? You, you mm -hmm. didn't really give it a shot. You, you know, you you barely did it enough to realize how lost in thought you are at all times. Yeah. Try it more, but then you know th that's not really something that's going to be conducive. I think so. How do you respond to that kind of thing? Is it worthwhile responding productive or do you just let people go on their own and figure it out? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I, if, if I'm talking one to one with that person, sometimes I just do a live meditation with them there and then um, because when it's when it's specific to you, um, it can make it can help people because we like to we have this we have a kind of a bit of an issue with this is that we always we always think that our problems are more specific than yes. than anybody else's, um, and that's that's that makes sense because we know a hundred percent about ourselves. So we know. So if um, and this is why this, you know this is why if a friend asks you for help, we've always got advice for friends. And um, one of the things I often ask people is like, what would you tell a friend in the yes, same situation? Exactly. And they go, and then if you say, but if you say, oh well, I tell them this, and I'm okay. Well, how about you do that then? And they go, oh no, that wouldn't work for me because of this. And it's like if you give, if I give advice to somebody else, it's quite often you get that response. That's not going to work because of this, because of this, because of this. Yeah. And um, so, which is why I often get people to self coach and and you know say what would work for you, like or what would you again, what would you advise a friend to do in this situation? Um, so if someone comes to me with that, I'd say I often say like, well, what would you if I came to you and I'd given it a, a go. Like, let's say something that you're interested in, I've given it a go kind of like two or three times. Like, what would you say? And, you know, like, because people often say like with, um, like, for example, the US office, the show, my my eldest son really wants me to watch it. And yeah. I watched the first season and I didn't enjoy it. And, um, and, and he goes to me, oh, well, it doesn't really get going until like halfway through season two. And it's like, and then it's like, well, I'm sorry, but I've given it a full season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he but I stick with it. Another friend told me the same about it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like he's like, oh yeah, it really gets going around halfway through season two. And I'm like, well, maybe I should just start there then. Um, <laughs> because, and that's the thing is that we are, we're very geared towards instant gratification. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, me and a friend were talking about this last night because we were, um, I was, I met up with a friend who like, you know, we go like 15 years back and we were playing songs that we used to go out partying with and gigs that we'd been to when we were younger. And I was like, I just can't find new music anymore. And because all the songs that we liked were like obscure tracks from like the middle <laughs> of an album. Right. Um, and like all the ones we were sharing were like, this. here's all the singles of that album. And it's like, and here's the song that we really love it's this one that's like hidden in the middle of the album and the way that we want instant gratification now it's like if i don't like a song within 10 seconds i do tend to skip past it so i often kind of sacrifice myself on that altar a little bit when someone says i didn't try it like i talk about how instant gratification is kind of is something that we see and and you know kind of to stick at it but but i also get into that idea of okay well I'll ask them what did they try, what like, and I'll and I'll talk about as well that um, like again guided meditations. They're a little, it's a little bit like dating. You don't find the right one on the first go. Um, I often say to people, it's about finding, um, it's about it's about finding what the the one that works with you, and that can often be down to something as simple as I can't do this one because the person's voice annoys me. Yeah. It's like big thing if if it is if you find it 
I can't remember the name of it now, but there's a King's Court, who another great streamer I interviewed recently. He said it was like he'd found someone who did this like zero bullshit meditation kind of thing, and it was just like and it was like sit the fuck down and you're like you're basically <laughs> right, like, right, yeah. Like and I'm like, you know what? I think that'd probably work for like a lot of people that can't stand the whole the gentle um, stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I try not to go too far with my voice when I do meditations uh-huh. for people. Like, yeah. I want it to still sound like me because. I got personally used to get creeped out when people's voices went too far that way. I wanted it to kind of sound quite natural. But um, yeah, guided meditations, I think, are very key for when we first start off because learning to guide yourself on a meditation is very, very difficult. And, um, you know, and but what I would say is if, if, if someone's got if someone's got the money for it is go to like go to a one to one. Um, with somebody because once you're in that space and you've put that set that time aside and you've decided to pay for it especially i wouldn't say you have to do this forever but like if you go if you go and work with somebody one-to-one near the beginning um is there's there's a very big thing about the fact that if we're in our house and just doing it on our own we can switch it off and we can there's always something else pulling for our attention that's kind of the problem but if you've like booked a like a half an hour slot with like a, a local yoga teacher that does meditation as well which is one of the places i started actually um if you cause you that time is now specifically for that activity and whilst you are there it's not like i'm gonna you know my brain's gonna be elsewhere you know i had the exact sort of opposite of this in in lockdown um my wife bought a load of home training equipment and we we well we do again now we go to the gym like six times a week basically both both very avid trainers and she she could not live without it to the point of buying this all this home workout stuff and then i'd train with her at the beginning and then essentially because i was in my home environment and because my computer's there and i could always go and do another social media post or i could go and check in with a client or like if i'm in the gym and i've taken the time to drive 20 minutes from my house to go there my mind is now this is what i am here to do so even if i get a distraction on my phone it's like well i'm not going to go home to sort that out i will deal with that afterwards and we really have to give ourselves permission for setting time aside for certain things and that can be hard like because you know if it's not working again instantly there's such an inclination to think i could be spending my time more productively yes yes air quotes for the podcast listeners like i'm being very sarcastic on more productively. Yeah. yeah but um but yeah, so there's there's a lot of that. So I would say again, a guided meditation, set your time aside some time, find another friend that's interested in in doing it, and be accountable to one another is quite a good one. Right. So like because it's we find not all of us, but the the majority of people actually probably need to meditate. Generally speaking, are very good at giving their time to other people, um, but they're not very good at giving them time to themselves. And there can get there can be so many reasons for this, but primarily it's usually to do with how we're raised. Um, you know, if we always had to be the one that was doing things for other people while we were younger, we find it virtually impossible to do things for ourselves. Yeah, I very much fall into that category, and it's it's something I've been learning since, as I said to you before, like when I first started mm-hmm. my self development, it was I need to be better for my kids, I need to be better for my clients, I need to be better for my partner. Right, and then eventually. It's like, hang on a minute. How about I just be better for me? And, right. um, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So if someone's got like an accountability partner and like like they they say, all right, I'm gonna I'm going to promise to you that I'm going to do X amount of sessions this week. Make it about the number of sessions rather than how successful those sessions were as well. So I'm going to try to meditate three times this week. So I'm going to basically sit down, put the time aside, and I'm not going to judge it on whether or not I get that Zen state or not, because you're probably not going to. I I get that Zen state. Like if... And I haven't been to my I haven't been to my old yoga teacher since before the pandemic now, actually. Um, so I've not had a guided meditation from her in nearly two years. And I don't think I've got to that full Zen state since right. the last time I did that, because she would do at the end of my yoga session after my, after the yoga's already slowed my mind down a little bit. Yes. She'd do this 10 minute meditation at the end every single time. And I quite often fall asleep during those, <laughs> but, yeah. um, which I'm, I count that as good. I count that as a success personally. And um, some people think that falling asleep during a meditation is a failure. I'm like, no, because my mind must have been switched off enough to do it. But, um, but yeah, that like, don't judge it as a kind of a failure. Yes. The fact that you've turned up and done it, like, if you go and do, if you, if you go and do physical exercise, that's like, you, dude, I'm happy you made that. That's such a yeah, great if, connection and analogy like going yeah. to the gym, right? Yeah, exactly. You do not see the results of that in in the moment that you're in. Yeah. You know like I um I stupidly run marathons. It's it's <laughs> not good for you. Um but I I like challenges. That's my thing. Um but like so and when I'm having a bad run, like it's very easy to go, "Oh, I'm out of shape, blah blah blah." I can't overcome this, blah, blah, blah. I can't do this run that I'm doing right now. And there's a little expression that I actually always say in my head is, this run isn't for this run, it's for the next run, which is a little bit anti-mindfulness because instead of being in that moment, I'm thinking about the fact, but I'm, and what, I'm tell, what, I'm, I'm, what I'm actually doing is saying, look, you don't need the gratification right now because this whatever you do now isn't going to make this run any easier but what you do in this run will make the next run easier. And like, and it's getting used to that idea, you know, in the gym, you don't just do 10 bicep curls and get massive biceps. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, and again, no one expects this. Um, Actually I'm lying. Women expect it that if they go, (laughs) if that, if they lift one weight and drink one protein shake, they're going to be completely jacked. (laughs) Yeah. And um, My wife tries to be completely jacked and it's like, and it's really funny because it's like, everyone that thinks that i'm going to do it once and um and i'm just going to turn into i'm like no do you really like right. I know people that work really 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 hard and still are nowhere near as big as you think you're going to become uh-huh. but yeah but most of us do realize that like we're not just going to get it from that one go like yeah. that's like you know that's kind of like giving up on the gym after three weeks because yeah. you didn't go to it looking like Arnold. and there's there's this dissymmetry between how people judge one practice and another so like when you go to the gym you wouldn't call it a failure because you didn't see a visible effect on your muscles after that one session yeah but a lot of people will consider meditation a failure if they don't see any improvement within two or three attempts right yeah and and that's i think a big mind uh mindset shift that people yeah, need yeah, to absolutely. kind of adjust. I mean, there's there is one other really big thing that um that 
falls into this same category. And this one almost seems even simpler, which is um, which is the idea of telling a person to speak nicely to themselves. You know, like the, the, it's a piece of cliched advice, but it's one of the most important and powerful cliches that on that are out there, which is speak to yourself like you would a friend. And the thing is, um, so you're originally you're originally from Brazil, yeah. is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, you, as, as your is your your first language Portuguese? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you when you when you learned English? Uh, I was about fourteen when I started. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically, the fact that you spoke a language didn't make you suddenly capable to speak every language as every english person in the world knows because none of us speak a second language (laughs) Uh, weirdly we're on the russian servers now i speak ish okay ish russian but um yeah my wife's latvian and i tried to learn latvian and she was like what are you learning latvian for russians more you know more kind of well what's the word everywhere so i learned russian um but um, yeah, it's funny because she corrects me on like the tiniest bits of pronunciation. Of course, yeah. And it's like, which which goes back to the failure thing, right? So when I feel, if, I, if, if I'm like, oh, I'm trying to think what the word was now. It was a word that we learned on, I learned on holiday, which was for boring. Um, and I can't remember what it was now, but um, basically I said ah at the end instead of ah at the end. Uh-huh. And, um, and, it, and she didn't understand what word I was actually saying. And I was just like, it's like, look, and then she says, says it back to me. And she's like, oh, you mean this? And it's very much like that whole Hermione. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Yeah, you're like... <laughs> like but anyway, that was a... Nobody <laughs> asked that question. My I, my brain goes off in weird directions at times. Um, but anyway, learning a language is, is, the, is the underpinning thing here. So speaking to yourself like a piece of crap, which we're all really good at, we put ourselves down all the time. And if you don't think... You, you might not directly turn around and say, oh, you're such a piece of whatever to yourself. But you probably say, you probably ask the following two questions. Number one is, why can't I do this? The second you ask yourself, why can't I do this? You're going to answer with things like, because I'm lazy, because I'm not dedicated, because, you know, you're going to put yourself down. Um, And then the follow up question to that is usually, what's wrong with me? Nobody ever has asked themselves what's wrong with me and then jumped to their own defense and said, actually, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm an amazing human being. Like everybody is always, when they say what's wrong with me, you think of everything bad you've ever thought about yourself. You think of everything bad that anyone else has ever said to you. And you think of everything bad that no one else has ever said to you, but you know that they're thinking it. And and this is like, this is a principle called the looking glass self. We, we actually, our opinion of ourselves is is not based on our actual opinion of ourselves. And it's not based on what other people think of us. It's based on what we think other people think of us. So right now I have absolutely no clue how you're how you're feeling about this interview. If I was a more, if I was a more insecure person, I might think, God, I bet he's thinking, he doesn't half go on with his answers. Like, right, <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Me would have thought, you know, I reckon Johnny's probably bored of this answer and I should wrap it up really, really soon. Whereas now it's like, I'm like, I try not to even think about it too much because there's like the, the, because that obviously takes attention away from from what I'm actually trying to say at the time. And as we've already seen, the second my brain goes off in a different direction. <laughs> um, but, but then speaking to ourselves badly is a language. Speaking to ourselves well is a separate language. Huh. So again, if I turn around to someone and say, look, you need to talk to yourself better, because I have people in my chat all the time that literally say things like, I'm such a piece of crap and all the rest of it. I'm going to actually throw, I'm going to throw one of them under the bus. And I don't know if she's, if she's come over here, but um, I threw her under the bus yesterday. And um, she's one of my, she's my main, one of my main mods. Her name's Lydia. Okay. And um, 
she's an absolutely awesome human. She's amazing. And she sent me, she sent me the book version of the film that like saved my life in 2009 and 2009, so, like a couple of days ago. Sorry. What and book is that? Oh, it's called the diving bell and the butterfly. The diving bell. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I can get into what the book's about if he wants. I'm not, I'll only do it right now. Otherwise I'll literally never finish this for, but, um, I literally called her out on it on my stream yesterday. I said, look, she's a very good friend to me, like a very good friend to me. And I was like, if someone else was half as good a friend to you as you, as she'd been to me, she would think that that person was amazing. Yes. Yet she thinks that she's a piece of trash. And she was like so talking about this. And I, I know she's got, she, she, um, she was talking, you know, she's got OCD, which leads her to think that way. So it's, it's, it's she's, she's fighting a little bit of a losing battle, unfortunately, but, but, she constantly reinforces this idea that she's a piece of shit um, and she's not, she's an absolutely awesome human. And it's like, the thing is that if we're telling ourselves that we're a piece of crap all the time, what I, I basically say, that's like taking away from your bank balance of self-esteem, you're putting yourself in debt. And then it's like someone on the internet, some like, you know, dude from Liverpool on the internet comes along and says, you should speak to yourself nicer. And you're like, thanks, Mindset by Dave. You fixed all my problems. It's no, it's not as simple as that because you yeah. can't just say, go and look at yourself and go, nah, I kind of like you. Or like, you can't just say nice things to yourself once in a blue moon and expect it to be overpowering the language that you've already, that you spent your whole life speaking. People think that, um, that speaking to yourself like crap is natural and it's not, it's learned. We just didn't realize we were learning it. We were learning it growing up, you know, probably around when we start getting a little bit more self, in, self in, you know, in, insecure and stuff around seven or eight, depending on the person is when that's the point that we start thinking about what, how other people think about us. And it's, it's usually always negative. <laughs> you know, if someone, if if you can't if you've got like the most even if you've got the most perfect mum in the world who happens to have a short temper one day, um, like because you know we're we're all human and we all burn out eventually, you'll take that as like I'm a bad person because this treat that this person spoke to me like that. And again, we all know this that when we react to other people, sometimes it's not because they're a bad person; it's because we've got a lot going on ourselves. But we are, we're we're primed to make it about us, and then we spend. 10, 20, 30 years by the time I've spoken to somebody, putting yeah. yourself down, you've practiced, you have sat at the piano and played those yeah. scales of putting yourself down. So when it comes to building yourself up, um, the expression we use for this is we don't guilt ourselves into greatness. You know, we try and use compassion to get there. And when you start bigging yourself up, it feels unnatural. It feels weird. Yeah. And that's because you've never really done it. And um you, but you have spent 10, 20, 30 years putting yourself down. So again, the same with mindfulness. You've spent 10, 20, 30, 40 years having your mind go in 46 different directions right. and that being normal. And now for the first time in your life, someone's asking you to sit down and think about just one thing. Yeah. It's a completely different skill. It's yeah. like controlling the mind is a very is a completely different skill than having a mind that just runs wild and again yeah. you've practiced the other one you you just you just don't realize it every habit we have has been practiced 
just there's a difference between practice by the sake of practicing. Um, like I never willfully practiced at video games, but I played a lot of them when I was younger. So as a result, I got better at them, you know, yep. without really trying to. Whereas I did willfully practice at the guitar or willfully practice at the piano with the purpose to get better. I was never playing video games with the purpose to get better, but that was happening as a byproduct of the fact that I was just enjoying myself. Yep. And the same is true with this. If you've never, no one has probably deliberately sat down and said, I'm going to practice putting myself down. I'm going to sit here and write all the worst things I hate about. Maybe not no one, actually. There's probably a few people that have done that now that I think about it. But we don't deliberately try to put ourselves down. But every single time someone has an interaction with us, a negative interaction with us, our tendency is to blame ourselves. So it's like if someone if someone in the office comes in and is like impatient in the morning, we're immediately like, "What did I do to what did I do to offend them? What did yeah. I do? What did I do?" And it's not, it might not be anything they did. You did. It could be the fact that they got caught in traffic on the way in. You know, it could be the fact that they like got sleepless nights at home yeah. because they got a new baby. I mean, or as whatever. an as an overthinker, I definitely have done that a lot in the past. Or if someone like seems a bit off, right? You talk to a friend and they seem like they responded a bit like either rudely or aggressively you're like whoa did i right did i do something wrong did i piss them yeah. off <laughs> yeah well my absolute favorite version of how our brains can do that um i call it filling in the blanks and it's the very it's the it's the sole reason that i have a purple telephone <laughs> on my yeah, desk yeah um it's basically when we had one ah, i can't put that back together now <laughs> um when we had just the house phone this is a little example of how our brain can take a piece of information and turn it into a completely different story. When we had just a house phone and we phoned our, a friend on the house phone, if they didn't answer, our immediate assumption was they're busy or they're out or they're on the toilet. Because remember a time when the, the phone didn't go in the toilet with you? And it's like, that's, that's what we think. We immediately think it's about the person. And then we put the phone down and we go back to watching a soap or playing a video game or reading a book or whatever you wanted to do and you just get on with your life and there's no overthinking involved there's not oh i wonder why they're not answering oh I, like that maybe they went you know i wonder when they're going to call me back because you didn't even think they'd call you back back then because you didn't have missed calls or anything yeah but then when we got the mobile do you get this one extra piece of information which is they know who's calling so and this the immediate assumption is they are ignoring me. Yeah. It's not they're busy. They're on the toilet. They're, no, it's they're about not you. It's, they're ignoring me. Yeah. And the longer, like, and then, and then that leads us down a lovely little rabbit hole. And look, if, if, if in chat or on the podcast you're listening to this and you've done this yourself, please let yourself off the hook for it because practically everybody has done this. You keep on checking the phone, see if they call back. You move over to WhatsApp. You send them a message on there saying, hey, trying to get hold of you. Let me know when you're free. And you send it. And then the worst thing that can possibly happen to you is you get the two blue ticks, but no reply. Seems and zoned. now, exactly, yeah, they've left me on red. It's even it's an expression in memes for this generation is like, oh, no, you did not leave me on red. It's like, okay. And, and the thing is, when it's been left on red, now we've got another piece of information, which is they've definitely seen it. With the phone, with the with the missed call, there's, yeah. they might have not seen it. But now that the we the, know the, for yeah. sure, yeah. But now, yeah. But now we know for sure. And then again, because we're all just low key stalkers, because you know, 
internet age. We go onto like their Facebook story or Instagram story, Snapchat, whatever. See what they're doing right now. Why are they choosing to spend time? What are they doing with their time so that they can't respond to me? And um, and we see that they're out with someone that we don't even like or whatever it might be. And now again, all this, the overthinking kicks in and it turns, and, and in our brain, we completely and utterly create a story where we are the victim or we are the per- person who is hated or that this person is avoiding you, doesn't like you, hates you. And then you feel terrible about it. When I get to this point in the story, I usually say to people, have you ever received a message from somebody where you're just on the way into the car or just on the way into office or you literally just you've walked in through the door and your partner's wants to wants to ask about your day whatever it is and you've opened the message and looked at it and thought okay that requires more than a yes or no answer i'll respond to that later everybody says yes and then my favorite question after that is have you ever forgotten or to put it in 2021 speak have you ever left a person on red (laughs) <laughs> and the and everybody's done it we've all yeah. done it because if the notification's not there we forget and now the thing is it wasn't because you hated the person or you didn't like the person it was because you wanted to give that person a proper response but the way our minds work if the once the notification's gone we forget about it yeah. someone taught us how to set um whatsapp conversations as unread recently because i thought you could only do it with emails and it's it's helped me a lot. The problem is the person at the other end still gets the two blue ticks that says it's been read, but at least I've still got a notification that's on my phone for when I go back so I can actually reply to it. But the thing, the main thing is we create that story. Yeah. The, 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 it, the, the situation, the truth of the situation is that the person wanted to reply but just didn't have the time in that moment. Yeah. That's the truth most of the time yeah and that whole opera is in the head right that whole opera is in your head and none of that actually happened yep exactly i love that that comment in chat that says scene zoned was that did you say that as well scene zone i think we said yeah yeah well yeah because i was yeah but um i was like i was like i've never heard that one before obviously friend zoned of her but scene zoned i like that yeah but um but yeah and this is the whole thing is that we have to what like we have to basically sit back and say and kind of say what is the actual what is the truth here and what is the story yeah you know like and i you know what what one thing that i've taught myself to do is is to assume the best in people mm-hmm. and like the thing is because at the worst case scenario if i assume the best in people um and i end up being wrong i end up looking a little bit like a fool i've got a little bit of egg on my face but guess what that happens like one out of every 1,000 interactions, you know, like once every five years, I'll assume the best about someone and I'll be wrong. But the thing is, throughout that entire period, once I've messaged that person, I've put my phone down and I've gone back and got on with my life. Yeah. Okay. But if it's the other way around, if I assume the worst, if I assume the whole, they hate me and they don't, which is more than likely going to be the case, then I spend, it doesn't matter if a person doesn't hate me. If I feel like they yeah. hate me until the next time I see them, then I've felt that for yeah. two weeks. Or the effect for... is the same, but not only that, right? The other person didn't get the memo. So you've lived yeah, exactly. this opera in your head. You think they hate your guts. And then next time you have an interaction, you go into it with this whole thing. And the other yeah. person doesn't know. They're not, you're not on the same page. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this this stuff is is really I think one of the big problems of our kind of era 
that people yeah. do expect that like instant response or something's wrong and then they assume and i i think the the thing for me with this like mental training i, I like calling it training because it's it harkens or it links it to the physical training idea that people tend to understand more that it will take time right yeah and it's not just for me at least it's not just about the 10 15 minutes that you're sitting with your breath that you know maybe you experience some kind of calm as a result of that uh, or not it's really also like translating some of those techniques and that practice to your day-to-day -day, right so as we said it's a practice of putting attention onto something yeah and you've said our default is the opposite is just letting our mind sort of you know default to whatever thought pops and be stuck in these loops of thought yeah so the more you practice and gain the ability to put attention onto something and keep it there that also helps you with all kinds of things because all of a sudden I can have this conversation with you and be focused on what you're saying to me instead of the next thing I want to say, is the stream okay? What viewership do we have? Uh, is my camera looking okay? Is my composition? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a different beast interviewing someone live on a stream. It took, right. me, a long time to, it took me a long time to get used to it. Because uh, like, I, I, up until last year, I did all of my interviews. It, well face to face if i could get away with it um but like but yeah i mean it's, it's it's there's a lot of extra things to think about and if you do suddenly start thinking about all of those things or even as an interviewer as you'll well know if you start thinking about your next question whilst the whilst the guests answer in the current one you actually might miss something in that what they're saying 100 percent. that, that yeah. can totally like like we talked about before you know before we came on air that i think we both interview in the same in the same style and the fact that yeah. we have like three or four questions that we definitely want to get as a to, springboard the rest of it's just yeah. yeah absolutely but um one of the other uh what was what was i thinking ah oh, see now that now that i've come back to this topic i forgot the one that i was going to say <laughs> yeah before. yeah but it's um there's there's okay there's another yeah there we go it's another way that we actually do use um use um mind we actually use mindfulness but negatively and this is the thing if people say i can't do mindfulness i'm like okay um, have you ever been, because people think of mindfulness, um, I teach this slightly different than, than, than everybody else. I don't think I've found anyone else that says it the same way I do, because mindfulness is supposed to be present moment awareness. And I describe mindfulness as choosing a moment to be aware of, huh. um, which okay. is because I can be mindfully reminiscent of something. Um, and I can also be mindfully looking forward to something. So I, and, but the thing is, everybody can do these two things as well, but, and they already do. The difference is it's something called negativity bias and negativity bias is pushes us towards kind of thinking about the worst case scenario. So for example, I have depression because as part of my bipolar disorder, I might dwell back on a really bad memory. Yes. And if I do that, it's the second a person starts to dwell back on a really bad memory, you go mindfully into that memory. Well, no, even not your, you might not be choosing to go mindfully into that memory. That's the whole thing is you're yeah. going into that memory and you are focused entirely on it because you replay that story over and over again. Oh, yeah. And suddenly all the other thoughts do go away. You're actually meditating right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just maybe not the most productive version of it because... And then, and then the thing is, you can feel the pain of that that former moment again in the now. 
And um, and then it, again, that's that, that's kind of depression. Anxiety is a little bit more like the other way. We think about with something we've got to do, and in our head, we see in intimate detail the worst case scenario. Yes. We see all the ways in which the job interview could go wrong, all the ways in which asking the guy from workout could go wrong, all the ways in which being a parent could go wrong. You know, all we that's what we sit there and we see it and we mindfully go into that future. <laughs> um and the soon as I realized that, I kind of just went, well, what happens if I deliberately again change the channel? What happens if I pick a really good memory? And yeah. I sit and I go back to that memory and I think about all and I'm doing it now and it's literally giving me like I'm thinking about being on a beach years ago. You can reproduce the the feeling, can't you? Almost. Yep. Exactly. So you can mindfully choose to be in a good memory. Yes. And and um, and the thing is, when it comes to the future, imagine like just like you know, talking about like maybe an interview, like I've I, I have social anxiety, which is really fun because I'm a talk show host and I'm a public speaker. But yeah. weirdly, I don't have social anxiety in those situations, like at all. I have social anxiety in like the whole in networking meetings and gatherings. And yeah. when people, when, when I'm a guest on someone's podcast and I'm supposed to be there or when I'm the host on someone's, I, I could be someone's best man at a wedding where I don't know everyone other than the groom. And I give probably one of the greatest speeches ever because I'm supposed to be there for that. But in like small talk situations, um, or even before I started doing public speaking, my brain would project and freak out about what it was going to go like. And if I start thinking about all the mistakes I'm going to make, it makes me feel nervous now. If I feel nervous now and then go into that situation, then I make more mistakes. And then because I make mistakes, I then start freaking out about the fact that I've made mistakes. Um, little example of where this has actually already happened today on this interview, people won't have even noticed it because we kind of drive past it. When I lose my train of thought, I used to beat myself up about it. And I lose my train of thought a lot. <laughs> like, and I used to beat myself up about it. Now I just make a comment about it and I go on to the next rail. Right. And it's like, and, if, and, and it's sometimes the thought that I was having pops back. But if I try and wrestle that train back on the track, I sit there and I panic and then I start thinking, everyone's noticing this. And yeah. I start thinking, you know, the longer that, it the goes, thing, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what I do now, if I'm feeling if I'm feeling anxious about something that's coming up, I imagine it going as well as it could possibly go. Okay. And in that I I, I literally write every single detail for it. So I will be like, okay, I'm standing because I okay, a prime example, a week on, no, not even a week on. This coming Friday, I'm teaching um a room full of newly credited teachers how to do mental health in the classroom. Okay. Um so it's one of the biggest groups I've done and it's a three hour seminar. So it's wow. a it's it's a long one in um it's a long one. Um I've done I've done five hour ones, but with another host before. So that's like we kind of alternate. This is three hours of just me. So this is kind of one of the longest ones. It's going to be all topics that I'd normally do in like three separate sessions. So it's it's not it's stuff I know, but in my head it's like, oh, what happens if I run out of steam? What happens if my train of thought goes? What happens if my caffeine, my coffee runs out too early? Or or what happens if I have too much coffee? That's that these like you know, and because sometimes I do, I have too much coffee and I get too excited and I talk really 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 fast and no one can understand me. Um, and these things are all possibilities. Instead of that, though, I'm thinking, okay, imagine standing in front of that seminar. What do I want to do? I don't want to get through the session. I want to get through to the people that I'm standing in front of. Yes. So what I want to do in that situation is I want to talk clearly. I want to talk concisely. I want to make sure my words are being heard. And I want to slow down because when I slow down, my brain has enough time to catch up with my mouth. 
<laughs> and then, and also when I slow down, weirdly, people start paying more attention than huh. when I'm talking fast. It's easier. And it's like, we're all fearful of slowing down. But like when you do slow down and when I, and I also know that what does that do? It gives me a chance to breathe more when yeah. I'm breathing more. And then your body language changes too, right? Because you're a bit more open and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that obviously, then, then the people in the room start feeding off of that. Yes. So they, they start engaging more in what I'm talking about and the whole thing. And, and if I see it, if I, I, this, I, I started using this when, um, when I started last year, I used to use the reaction in the room of what, when I was doing seminars to people as to kind of gauge how well I'm doing. And that was taken away from me when I moved over to a camera. I I'm obviously doing this one to one, I can see you on the screen, yeah. but, but when it comes to like, Giving a sem giving a seminar to like a like an organization of, of people who are all working from home now, and yeah. some of them have got the cam turned off, others of them are kind of like you know just got the lights off in the room or whatever, or yeah. some or, or what, and I can only see four of them or whatever on the t on the screen at a time anyway, or like um, I lo I lost that. So what I used to do at that once that came up the point, I I just turn the zoom window off on my screen and I'd stare straight at the lens of my camera and pretend that my camera was a smiling audience member just smiling <laughs> and nodding at me the entire time. And honestly, it made me feel like I was presenting well, which made me present well because <laughs> because like this is funny how that works. works in, yeah, yeah, everything works in these feedback loops. So the what the point I'm kind of trying to make, which I've made about six half points, uh, but the uh, the point I'm trying to make is ultimately we can project into the future and think about the most positive version of it. Yes. We can sit down and reminisce over like over old things. It's one thing I'm like I know we've got millions of photos on our phone now, but while the quant quality quantity while the quantity of those photos has gone up and the quality of them in terms of resolution has gone up. Yeah the emotional quality of them seems to have gone down. The value we give to those photos has gone down. You know, I, I still think back of like, you know, being a kid and my mum and dad, had, well, my mum mainly having photo albums and stuff and you sit there and you flick through it and it's like, oh, that's so good. I remember that, yes. you know, and, and like I said about before with the friend we had on last night, I had over last night, we were like just there, like both connected to the same sound bar, just like throwing songs in the queue at each yeah. other and stuff. And and like when a song come on that the two of us used to like sing at the top of our lungs when we were twenty five, uh -huh. it was like it's it's I was I was I was there. I was in the house I lived at in like because I had like I was you know I was single at that point and like I had a house to miss. I had a sort of like a house, a rental house that I, I'd just broken up with my with um with my my first wife, the mother of my kids, and I was like literally being. Because I, I got into that marriage when I was really, really young, so I was—I took a year to embrace my singularity, you know. Yeah. I, and um, and basically that meant as well because we were renting the house; it wasn't mine. It was a bit more party house that I had no one else to consider. Which again, I find it hard to do that because I had no one else living with me. We had, the, and, I, and in my head last night when this Fallout Boy song came on that we were listening to, I was just like. I was there and I, I was welling up from it. And it's like that level of kind of being mindfully in a moment from the past that was happy um, or, you know, or being mindfully in a moment in the future that, that could be successful. It's like those are um, powerful tools to have because again, <laughs> they are, we're automatic. We're already doing these things. That's one, you know, when that, that's why I always express it to people that way. It's like, if people say, I can't do that, I'm like, have you ever dwelled on a negative memory from the past? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you can do that. Um, 
And that, so then I'm like, have, have you ever worried about what how something could go wrong in the future? They were like, yeah. I'm like, okay, how about you worry about how how well it goes? How, yeah. Worry about it going or dwell on it, dwell on something that went right. There's a big difference here. And it comes down, this expression I use for this is, um, is negativity comes natural, but positivity takes practice. Yes. To be the... I call this the YouTube analogy. The old, the the old memory of bad stuff is up next in your recommended. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, it just throws the, it queued throws, up. Throws the video up for you. Puts it on the big screen. Turns the volume up. Like, play. Yeah, let's go. Here's what I prepared <laughs> earlier. Whereas, whereas if, if we wanted to, if that happened on YouTube and something absolutely shocking came up that you didn't want to watch, we go into the search bar and we find something else. And. Yes. Um, and that's what we need to do here. Go into the search bar in your memory and find something else. Yeah. And the thing is, why I call it the YouTube, and it's the same for future, um, the why I call it the YouTube analogy is the more you do this, the algorithm begins to learn what you ha. want to see. It is if a good you, analogy. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you continually dwell on the bad stuff from the past, your brain will be like, ah, you seem to be enjoying this stuff. You're engaging Here's, with this stuff. Here's here more. <laughs> some more of it have yourself have this and then it'll throw in some of the future anxieties here's how you could potentially fail next week and it's like and, it, and it's just like sponsored ad <laughs> you know it's like yeah. all this will happen whereas if you say again no i can't turn the tv off but i can change the channel if you say no i want to focus on something i want to focus on a good memory i want to focus on how things could go right Again, it will take effort, so it won't feel natural. So it will take effort to do this, but it's worth it. And if you sit there and, again, describe in intimate detail where the sun was, where the wind was coming from on that holiday, like what the sand was like in the beach or what cocktail you were having, um, like whatever it is that you really enjoyed about that. I, I've just literally been on a, on a holiday with, like last week with my kids, and there was these egg chairs that, we just, that, that were very, very popular. And we, if we got in, if we, if we got two of them together, it was a good time because we could sit and talk. But most of the time, it's like there was never two together. And um, we we try and get it at least once a day at some point, and just sit there and just watch the world go by. And um, on Monday, first day back at work this week, because we'd we'd sit and hopefully have our morning coffee right. in there. And like, I'll, and on Monday this week. And um, me and my wife were like both back at the computers and, and like and all the rest of it. And I basically went and made me coffee. And instead of coming back up here and getting for an email while I typed it, I went and sat in her office and I was like, can you take five minutes? And she was like, yeah, I think I can. I was like, look, let's just, there's a big difference between when you're on, you know, when you're in that holiday, you give yourself permission to just sit and have the coffee. Yeah. And again, we can, we can do that in real life. You know, we can do that in our day-to-day -day life as well. We can just, we can give ourselves permission yeah. to be mindful, to just do one thing. And the funny thing is, if anyone's thinking, oh, but that's going to hamper my productivity and all the rest of it. Nope, it's not. It's actually going to make you more productive. If, if, if productivity is your goal, because most of what productivity stuff out there is to do with small picture productivity. It's about being productive in the minute. You know, it to down to every minute of the day, and the idea there is, if you're productive in every minute of every single day, then you'll yeah. adds up. For a lot of people, it's the exact opposite. It's like yeah. actually, if you the the you you can put in the quantity of those minutes, but if the quality of those minutes isn't Dude, as good, as a software engineer, I can tell you, all the valuable work is done in short sprints of high productivity with yep. breaks in between where you yep. gather yourself, you reprioritize and you do whatever is necessary to to get the next. Yeah. yeah, 100%, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And 
we're kind of we're taught to we're taught sort of to think that that's wrong you know like it, I, I you know when i used to work in an office i i used to be a software developer myself as well actually when i was oh. much younger um yeah back when it was possibly even just I think vb.net and c sharp right. had just happened like that they literally just happened like so that was like 20 so it was like 20 years ago um but um but I was very much a burst worker like that. And I'd get, I'd get more work done than I'd get. Well, I'd, I'd never not make a deadline. I would right. always be ahead of deadlines. So, but the, and my manager was kind of okay with that because he knew that I was doing the work that he wants me exactly. to do. But, but when the IT director would walk through the room and see me not doing things, he thought I was lazy and he thought that, and it's like, and I wasn't allowed to just sit there and surf the internet or anything. So I literally just had to sit on my desk. I either, and, but the thing was, if I tried to spread that, that out, like, and just code slower and, and all the rest of it, I didn't get into that flow that we were talking about of before. Course. Yeah. And so it felt, it, it just didn't feel right for me. And, um, but those burst things, but then you kind of taught that, you taught that that's wrong. Yes. And it's taken me. And um, and it was a weird sort of transition when when my wife started working from home as well because I once I started working for myself I just worked in those bursts because that was the way it was right you know and that worked for me and I actually knew that I could get an entire afternoon's worth of work done in half an hour <laughs> like if if I if I did yeah. that sometimes I just sit there and play Gears of War three or whatever <laughs> um, and I still got the same amount of work done but in my head that productivity thing that we're like. And um, it's that it's that question. Oh, imagine what it'd be like if you could just code, if you could just work like that all the time. Yes. And then, you know, the same. Like I, I even begin to, when when enough people say that to you, you begin to feel, you begin to like think it yourself, and then you begin to think that you're a failure for not working like that 100 percent of the time. So I tried to work like that 100 percent of the time, and I burnt out really hard Oof. and really quick. Yeah. And it was. Um, and it and it made me it it killed all of my creativity. It made me want to completely stop everything I was doing for about two weeks. I got a hell of a lot done, um, but then after that, I'd just sit at the computer and I'd just be like, I don't even yeah. know what I'm doing anymore. Like, and and then I've gone I've gone back to working in bursts again now, and it's fine. It's like this. <laughs> we were, I was only talking, and because my wife is not like that. My wife is. She likes to work at a consistent kind of pace. Yeah. And, and then because once she started working from home, um, she'd go consistent pace and then and then have a break. And I'd be like, if 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 she came to ask me if I wanted a break whilst I was on one of those bursts, it's like, okay, well, that's derailed my train of thought. And now I'm not gonna get back for like six hours. It's like a five minute break in that when I'm in that zone would couldn't cost me like can cost me hours it's a right. it's a bit frustrating but um it was weird because again it's taken her a long time to realize like that I, in the in that sort of way of working i get more done than if i try to just be working yes all of the working day for once yeah better because work. you're capitalizing on that spike in your like creativity productivity all right, listen, Dave, we're coming up on our time limit here. Dude, I really appreciate the, the conversation. Is there anything you want to pimp that's going on on your channel this week? Um, so my schedule, um, I stream Tuesdays, Wednesdays, so Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. You, all of these are UK time. 
Tuesdays at 1 p.m., um, Thursdays at 1 p.m., and Friday at 9 a.m. Um, basically, the, the Tuesday and Thursday, Friday streams are mental health drop-in chats where you can come, you can talk about your mental health openly, get some support, get some empathy from the rest of the, the rest of the, the crew. And we've got a really lovely, amazing community. Uh, and we have a guest on one out of two of those sessions most weeks. Um, so like yesterday, um, the THU of Gaming, who I believe just followed, was my guest yesterday. Hell yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And he was talking about asexuality awareness um, yesterday as one of the main topics. Uh, this Tuesday, though, there is on at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, there's a bonus stream. And if anyone has seen all of Squid Game, I would say come to this stream. Um, but if you've Ooh. not, don't, because it's going to be heavy. On I'm going to be there. Spoilers. That's amazing. Um, because I have a guy called Nick Craze from an organization called Gambling Guard on. Um, he's been on the he's been on the show before, literally just talking about the mental health implications of gambling. But we are specifically having a special bonus episode uh, this week to discuss what we can learn about the gambler's mindset from Squid Game. So there will be heavy spoilers in it. So um, like there will be heavy amounts of spoilers in it. But I'm very much looking yeah. forward to getting stuck into that conversation. And I've got the greatest thumbnail in the world for it. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that show that show has a wealth of interesting like mental topics because you know each yeah. character is almost like a character caricature for a particular disorder so you know yeah. so, so there's like some bipolar there is uh gambler's addiction there's all this sort of stuff that that would be very interesting dude i'll definitely try to be there well listen yeah. dave dude really appreciated i think a lot of what you said has resonated with stuff that i've encountered and how i kind of view things and try to conduct my own practice so uh, much respect man for what you do and um, thank you very much i will r recommend people stick with the youtube analogy because i think that's a powerful one just like switching the channel and uh, goading the algorithm towards the kind of content you want <laughs> recommended in your brain and you know don't give up on the practice if it doesn't sort of trigger uh uh, an enlightenment enlightenment yeah <laughs> straight away yeah. um you know give, give it a shot stick with it because there there are a lot of skills from it that are transferable to uh to real life and to your day-to-day -day. um queen says sorry for my tech interest but what headset does dave use it's a very good question it's a sony something or other i don't think it's got the name on it actually I feel like the, that a570 or something but um it's it's a sony um Interesting. There's, I think there's one of them that comes with this headband. Yeah, uh, so it has a headband is, in um, addition. It, yeah, it's 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 primarily for a. It's it's because a lot. I don't like having my full head enclosed for streams. Yes. It kind of like and it, and if I put one earphone in because I, I sometimes go fully locked in and go in both. But the second to do that, some like yeah, I just can't do. I can't do full headsets, <laughs> which is weird because my background between software engineering and mental health. Was I was a sound engineer for like seven years. Holy so crap! I used Look to at have that. headphones on. I used to have can headphones on for long periods of time, but um, yeah, it's weird. I can't. I feel that was fine for listening to music, but for being connected with even a guest or yeah. for for a, a stream, it weirdly makes me feel disconnected from the real from from the room that I'm in, which makes me yeah. I don't know. I it's, guess it's new, because you can't phenomenon. hear yourself <laughs> through your ears really mm. right if you're enclosed in a so that could that could be yeah that's interesting man 
Yeah, All right. I think it's because actually none of the sound engineering ones were noise cancelling as well because I don't oh. know, because they, because that affects the that affects are they the like open backs well. like the ones I'm using now where you can kind of hear around you? Uh, no, they were they were cans like like but they weren't they didn't have the the sound can the noise cancelling thing because the noise okay. cancelling thing is a signal that's played into yes. your ear. You see, yeah, um, a reverse signal of what's on the outside of the world that's played into your ear. And that's how they do noise cancelling. And I think that, but that signal can affect the way that the actual music that you sound listening to does. So it's supposed, it's not, they weren't really recommended. And I think that's another thing is that when you've got these in and you've not got constant music coming through them, you become very aware of the feeling of the noise cancelling. It's like, it's, it's you a become very conscious I mean, I'm, about it. I, yeah. I, you know, I've, I probably have undiagnosed ADHD, so I sometimes fixate on things. <laughs> I swear, I swear I can hear noise cancelling too, because I yeah. have those like noise cancelling Sony headphones, big ones, and there's mm. like this frequency, it's almost like a dog uh frequency where like you can't quite hear it but there's something yeah, there yeah. you're aware upsetting. it's there and i think phoenix has just said the sound cancelling makes me really dizzy i there think it's the go. same thing yeah it's messing with well dizziness comes from um, a lot of it comes from our balance which is in our ears so it makes sense yeah it does well listen dave i really appreciate it man again uh, people i really recommend go check out your channel there's a link in the show notes or here in the chat if you're live with us and uh, oh, Nero in the chat says, you've been a treat to listen to. Got so much out of this interview. Thank you, Dave and Johnny, Thank too. You, awesome Nero. job. I really appreciate it. And you guys have been great uh, interacting as well. All right, Dave, I'll let you go, man. Uh, I hope we sort of stay in touch through the interwebs. And I wish you the best, bro. I'll Absolutely. see you around. Thank you very much. Take Thanks care. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gamer Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to share with your friends and come back every Monday at 9 a.m. UK time for a new episode. You can find all that I do, including streaming, license-free music, and much more at my website, johnnyplays.live. That's J-O-N-N-Y plays.live. And as always, catch you next time.